0: It's time for Talking Tauntauns, your Star Wars source
1: at AIPTComics.com. Hey, what's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Talking Tauntauns. It's our first episode with the new name, but it's the same old podcast with the same old hosts. I am JJ Travers and I'm joined tonight as always by Connor Christensen and Jim Lehane. And it's a very special episode tonight. We're all very excited uh, it is Tuesday, November twelfth, and Disney Plus has arrived after a lot of anticipation and a lot of not so patient waiting, and all three of us have watched the first episode of The Mandalorian. Yeah,
2: this is a, a year's a year's worth uh culmination of podcasting because we have talked about The Mandalorian on every single episode, and we finally get to dive into it and I, for one, am very excited, even though I didn't get much sleep last night, because uh, I woke up at, uh, well, I didn't wake up, I happened to be awake at 1 o'clock in the morning when the, when the show drops. so I, I'm very excited, I've been, I've been sitting on these takes all day.
0: I am super stoked to be, that we have finally arrived at this never-ending seeming wait for The Mandalorian and Disney Plus in general as a father of a, a young girl. I am well aware of all of the Disney shows that um, are out there, and now I can free up my DVR finally. You
2: know what I was just thinking, Jim, is you brought up last episode, the one thing you wanted to find out about The Mandalorian was what time does it come out? And even though it has already come out, we still don't know what time the new episodes come out, because it kind of just randomly dropped in the middle of the night. I don't know what time the new episode comes out on Friday. Like, we still don't know what the actual timing is of the releases, but who cares? It's here.
0: Well, we don't yeah. even know what time it came out this time, because even it, though you were randomly dropped, if, depending on what service you were on, it didn't work. Like, my TV didn't work first thing this morning. The Roku kind of worked. The app kind of worked, but I couldn't watch the episode. And so it was. It, it may have dropped in the middle of the night for some like apps, but not all of them. <laughs>
1: I was really glad that I was at work today. I know that sounds weird to say, but otherwise I just picture myself sitting at home being super stressed out and complaining on the internet about Disney Plus not working right. Whereas by the time I got home from work and, you know, cleaned up and fed the cats and yada yada and sat down after I made dinner with the lady to watch it, Disney clearly had fixed everything on their end. And, you know, it's not surprising that there was a bunch of issues. It's the first day of a streaming service launching with like tens of millions of people i'm sure signed up
2: yeah no no real beta test either so yeah. they kind of just had to like release it and hope it worked and honestly for how big of a release it is how much is on it and how many people are logging on the fact that they only had like you know minor hiccups to start is kind of impressive you know because that's i mean like you said there's, that's probably tens of millions of people logging on throughout the day on its first day i it's it's. I'm just happy to see that it's still working.
0: And to be fair, they never actually announced what time it would be released, the app at all. They oh. just said it would be released on the 12th, which that gave them all day. And if it, as long as it's working by the end of the day, then they fulfilled their promise to get it released by the 12th.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm curious how that is going to go going forward. We're spoiled this first week because... We get episode one today, and then since the show is coming on Fridays, we get episode two this Friday, which is fantastic. Only a three day wait. Cannot wait till Friday. But I'm curious if they're just gonna do it as like these shows come out on these days as in at twelve oh one, these shows drop.
2: Yeah, it's interesting to see what they're gonna do. because, um, like I know with like obviously like HBO is a network and a streaming service, but like on HBO now, if you wanna watch Watchmen, for example, uh, it becomes available as soon as it airs so if it airs at 9 p.m est it's available on hbo now and hbo go at the same time um but with no network partner to fall back on they can really just let it go whenever i just hope it's consistent i show it comes out at the same time each week so i know when to be ready
1: oh yeah i'd be shocked if it wasn't it would be very odd to me if, if they were changing the release times
0: mm-hmm. yeah one of the things that's hard to 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 judge this release time by is like like you said HBO released Game of Thrones or Watchmen based on when the re- the the airing was, but a lot of the shows they have currently on the app that my daughter watches they don't have the most recent season like the the season that currently airing and so I can't even like judge when the shows are released compared to the seasons because they don't even have the recent re- seasons.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to take them a little bit of time to get everything up to date. Throughout the day on uh, the AIPT Slack, people were saying, you know, certain movies were missing from the Marvel, uh, the MCU, and certain old TV shows were missing, episodes and seasons. I just think it's going to take them a little while to get everything up to date and cleaned up. I'm sure they're dealing with like a million and one things right now besides like we have to have the catalog perfect across the board, you know?
2: Yeah, you know, I just, uh, I think a lot of Star Wars fans have noticed there's a handful of films missing. Um, also, I think it's kind of funny that they put the Clone Wars movie in the specials section, which uh, kind of stands by itself, because they still haven't put the holiday special on, which, uh, which I don't get. Why isn't, why isn't there? That's It's canon, right? Let's get the no. holiday special on Disney plus
0: <laughs> it's 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 definitely not Canon
2: it starts here on talking Tauntauns. hashtag give us the holiday special
0: although there are certain aspects of the holiday special that are now Canon as of today
2: boom let's get into it let's get into the mando this is what the people came for
1: all right so
2: a lot of holiday special <laughs> uh, references
1: yeah so they announced it what, I think last November? Is that right? The official announcement of the show? Yeah. I feels like think it was forever that's ago.
2: right. It may have been more than a year. It feels like they, like... I don't know, actually. as I, I can't remember what came first. Did they announce Disney Plus first? Or did they announce uh, well, a live-action Star Wars? It, right? it doesn't matter. matter. Yeah, The point
1: matter. is, we've been waiting a while for this. So, I, I don't want you guys to go, go in on more than a sentence. Just your initial knee-jerk reaction before we really dig into you know, the, the cinematography and the music and the costumes, et cetera, et cetera, just knee-jerk reaction, one sentence, what's your initial take?
2: Uh, I would say good, not great, but excited for more.
0: All right. Jim? So you want my positive knee-jerk reactions or my negative knee-jerk reactions? <laughs> Do your
1: best to weave both together into one sentence just very quickly... Off the cuff, how do you feel about the show?
0: I am excited to see where it goes from now, from here. But it was kind of a lackluster. Sh- okay.
1: Um, and at two, brute. I really enjoyed it. There was one or two minor things that um, I wouldn't even say irked me. I was just like, oh, that could have been done differently. But for an introduction that's essentially, I mean, the first of its kind. I think it did a good job, mm-hmm. and I am really, really, really excited to see where it goes because I feel like it's just going to get crazy, and I I can't wait.
2: Now, but before we go on, should are we going to do spoilers here? Like, should we warn anybody who's listening that we're going to be diving in?
1: Yeah, I, I think we're going to going to do spoilers okay see how we can really talk about this without doing spoilers so if you're listening at home we do appreciate you listening but we're sorry if you haven't seen the show you should stop listening to us right now and turn it back on after you've watched it because we're absolutely going to talk about spoilers
0: okay welcome back
2: okay we're good uh now we can talk about the fact that Qui-Gon Jinn makes an appearance we all saw that right
1: I'm, I'm um, kidding. He didn't you know, jump, that. Can you actually edit crickets in there? <laughs> please I, I, please I, do.
0: <laughs> I'll try. Um, to, jumping back to your question about when it was announced. they Before they had a name, I looked it up on Wikipedia. It was announced on November 9th, 2017, that oh, wow. they were working on a couple of Star Wars television series. No name. Favreau was announced for the still unnamed series on March 8th, 2018 and then the series got a title on October 3rd of 2018. So, a little over a year ago we actually found out what the the name was. So,
1: I guess uh one thing I want to just say immediately that popped into my head within the first 5 minutes is I feel like I could tell very very quickly why this show cost 10 million dollars an episode.
2: Oh yeah, they the they did not spare any expenses. When it comes to the production, I think some some of the CGI was noticeable, uh, which Muff pointed out on Slack. They literally used the Unreal uh, the Unreal Engine, which is used for a lot of video games. So there, there was a couple moments where like a ship passing by, like the Razor Crest flying across, you could be like, "Oh, that looks a little off off place." But other than that, like the costume designs, the the sets, um, the the gunfights were were amazingly done and it did not at all feel like it was a television show it felt like a star wars movie
0: yeah the the cgi really got to me at times um the first shot the very first shot of him kind of walking into the distance from like off screen or whatever that felt like a video game like, I don't know what it was about it, but however that was rendered, I don't even know if that was CGI or not. It just looked like a um, like a modern day video game. But then other times, like especially when IG-11 and they were in that that gunfight at the OK Corral, uh, that was phenomenal. Like, that, yeah, that, that was absolutely like fantastic.
2: Mm-hmm, totally agree. Like all all the fights, the the two major ones, I say all of the fights, but there were really just two big ones. They were some of my favorite, like, shootouts in Star Wars. Um, the bar scene fight was awesome. And, and I don't know, you don't get that many fist fights in Star Wars. So it was cool to, to get that, I don't know, that grittiness. And he actually, cu- he cut a dude in half with the door. They didn't, I thought they were gonna like, you know, fade to black and just give you the sound, but they actually, you know, they show the guy's legs drop on the floor. And I, I was like in bed, like cheering when that happened. That was, that was a rad way to like open up the series, set the tone. Like right right from the get-go, this show immediately made itself feel unique. It was recognizably Star Wars. For the most part, there were some instances where I was like, you can't even tell this is Star Wars, but for the most part, it was very recognizable as Star Wars, but it felt completely new. And I don't know if you can say that about really any of the other films that they've made yet this is the first live action thing at least that it's like this is truly its own unique new thing and that was very very apparent from the absolute first second so that is one big thing that i i really enjoyed about this is how how new and fresh it felt
1: yeah i'll definitely echo that sentiment there's just nothing you know, except for the stormtroopers, which we'll get to, except for that, there's really nothing here that feels familiar. There's little Easter eggs and species that we recognize, but so much of it is new, and I just love that so much. Um, Like, you know, this is the most we've ever seen out of an IG unit in canon. You know, there's plenty of stuff in, in Legends and in the video games with assassin droids, but, you know, that by itself right there, like, how cool is that? They're in the guild together. They're both members. They have rules and a charter. They can split, agree to split the bounty. Like just that little, like you know, thirty second or less conversation between the two of them, and we've got like an entirely new look at bounty hunters in Star Wars canon, which I thought was super cool. Well, that's
0: like all that stuff got carried over from Legends. Like this entire episode felt like. um, Well, Dave Filoni was the, I believe, the director of this episode. And you have John Favreau, and they both went, let's just grab a rake and pull what we can from Legends into this, because they pulled tons of stuff from Legends. And that whole Bounty Hunters guild, that's all Legends stuff. Um, the Beskar is Legends, um, can't forget Life Day. Yeah. Shout out
2: holiday special. Oh god.
0: Yeah. I'm
2: so I'm so glad somebody else caught that when he was like, Oh, it's life day tomorrow. I was like, No way
0: the holiday special. Well, but I, I think you have the gun too. Well yeah, the
2: well the gun we've known for a while, but like the, the spoken reference to the holiday special was the best.
1: But what's cool about that, Jim, is is you're mentioning all these things and some of them, like, you know, the holiday special Uh, and the bounty hunters guild like i'm aware of them the best car i didn't catch but i think what's so cool about that is there's so many degrees of fans like you and i have read a lot of the legends books as well as the comic books and connor and i have played almost all the video games and you know there's varying degrees of fans but regardless if you're like a diehard legends fan or if you're a prequel guy or if you're you know um new star wars canon only like regardless of where you stand on that um i feel like there's something here for everyone and that feels really good
0: yeah i I love that they also they, they mentioned the mythosaur mythosaur um where most people probably won't even realize what that is do you guys know what the mythosaur is no idea
2: uh, it's not the giant scaly thing that they fight in Clone Wars, is it? The one that has like the impenetrable skin?
0: No, no, that's um. Oh, now now you're just going to look because that was can't remember the name of it.
2: That was that that creature was Beast. also that's it, Zalobeast. Beast. That was also in the Kylo Ren wow, Age of Rebellion or Age of Resistance one shot. Anyway, keep going, no, Jim.
0: you you know what the Mythosaur skull looks like? Oh, it's the
2: man the the Mandalorian oh. skull. Okay.
0: That's the skull on Boba Fett's arm. Um, Also happens to be my tattoo on my back. Uh, So that's the fact that they name dropped that and that most people would have no idea what it even is. But uh, anybody in in the Mandalorian mercs, uh, definitely that is.
2: So speaking of uh, the Mandalorian and the Mandalorians, obviously we're speaking of the Mandalorian, but of the the whole group, uh, I... I was super excited. My biggest, like, most excitement and biggest takeaway from this was the, the small scene where they show, like, the Mandalorian getting new armor attached to him and that little tiny dive into Mandalorian culture. Cause I know little to nothing. I, I've only seen, like, a handful of the episodes of the Clone Wars that deal with the Mandalorians. So I'm still very new to, new to the whole Mandalorian culture. But that was the thing that was most tantalizing to me is like, ooh, we're going to learn more about, like, where the Mandalorians went and what they were up to and like what happened to their society. Uh, So I'm not sure if you guys got excited about that. I I had a feeling you, you would be pretty stoked. Yeah, Yeah.
1: absolutely. I mean, if, if you don't, again, if you don't um, know star Wars outside of the films, then you know, nothing about the Mandalorians at all. And that's, I feel like that's a big percentage of the people that are going to be watching this show. So you know that's really cool that all you know millions potentially of people get to experience a whole new aspect of Star Wars that they never knew existed. Now, in Rebels um, and in Clone Wars, if you watch the animated shows, you got a much bigger taste of it, and if you read some of the books and comics, even more. So again, there's something here for everybody, and it was just so cool and exciting to see them, you know, talking about the tribe and. I really hope that is a theme that we see throughout the show. Like the flashbacks to his childhood. Give me a a, a strong gist that we're going to see his journey from childhood into becoming like a Mandalorian bounty hunter. Um, But it was just so exciting to see them start talking about like tribe rituals and like, why did that get turned into a piece of armor for him? Like, what is the significance of that? Who is that person that's crafting them? where are they what planet are they on how did they get there like is everyone in the tribe a bounty hunter you know there's just a million questions that were going through my head when they got introduced and i'm like this one short scene has so much potential to add a whole new chapter of crazy awesome lore it was just like as a lore nerd and a mandalorian fan very exciting more like hey. a Mandalorian. <laughs> I need to like really start putting a limit on the bad jokes that you guys can
0: tell on this show. <laughs> I do good. the audio production, so no. Uh, I know
2: Jim was thinking it. I just jumped on the grenade faster.
0: No, no, I wasn't. Uh, so I, I love your what you were mentioning. Like that, I love the uh, the. I've always loved Mandalorians. I loved Karen Travis's novels. Um, Order 66, which was like one of her uh, final, um, Mandalorian novels with set during the Clone Wars actually had me like bawling towards the end of it. Um, I, I absolutely loved them and I, am excited that Dave Filoni has started to, like not started, but has been bringing this stuff back in through the Clone Wars and through Rebels and now into this show. Clearly we, we, I expect we're going to get a lot more starting with this scene, and there's like little even in the scene we get little nuggets of what used to be um because she mentions that um the um uh, the the beskar which is the the metal that's specifically mandalorian metal it's supposed to be super hard and that is going to help a lot of what she calls foundlings and he was a foundling and then we see flashbacks of his uh flashbacks of his childhood and what i take away from that is that um, in legends, the Mandalorians were kind of a, an adoptive culture. Not really like a. Instead of, they'll they'll parent their own kids, but they'll parent everybody's kids, and so they'll they'll collect children, kind of, and um, raise them as a family. And so that's what I'm kind of getting is that maybe he was one of these collected children, and that's what the, this term foundling comes from.
1: And, that would make a lot of sense.
0: And also, like we have Dave, not Dave Filoni, we have. Uh, John Favreau, who was one of the supreme Mandalorians in the Clone Wars. He voiced Bree mm-hmm. Vizla uh leading this. And so we, we have that connection through. I wonder I really wonder if he'll uh, actually like make a physical appearance as a Mandalorian.
2: I just want to see that sword get used. I forgot what it's called. Oh from... Dark Saber. Dark yeah. Saber, yeah. I would I would I would love that. That would be It'd be
1: interesting to see how they did that effect.
2: Yeah, it, it I mean it'd be it'd be your way to get a cool lightsaber fight into the Mandalorian without actually bringing lightsabers in.
0: Yeah, um, they definitely they used I can't remember it was in Rebels. You haven't seen Rebels, but I don't remember what happened to it in Rebels. Watched
2: the first episode last night and absolutely loved it. I hate I hate myself for not jumping on the Rebels train faster. I know this is yeah, a bit it's of a tangent. So good. God, it, like, I, all I did was watch the first part of the premiere. So it's like, you know, the premiere is 40 minutes or whatever. I was yeah. blown away. I was like, God damn, this is good. Anyway, back to The Mandalorian. We can do a Rebels episode later. Um, now, to, to shift to a, a different train of thought, one, one complaint I had was, and I, I know Jim brought up the same thing, was the pacing of it. And how, even though it was only 40 minutes... It still felt like there was Yeah, thirty six, right? Is what it clocked out at. Thirty nine.
0: Thirty-nine.
2: Not with credits. It it felt like there was some stuff that didn't need to be there. And I'm specifically talking about the scene where he learns to ride whatever that beast was. I there's a lot of like boring scenes in movies that you can go, okay, it at least serves a purpose and it's a good purpose that it serves. Um but with this, it was a uh, kind of a boring scene that g- got rid of any tension or of excitement of the Mandalorian going after this bounty, and it also it lessened the coolness of the of the Mandalorian to me. Like it, it was like, oh look at this punk who can't even oh, ride. Come on! I don't know. It just it it. I think it was Muff said it like you're it gonna it demasculated you, I, him. It, it took away the I, I, like the I, mystery.
1: I'm sorry. I- like, I agree that that scene just kind of felt like, why is this happening? This just feels like, it just feels like it didn't belong and it was awkward. But it didn't emasculate the character for me. It's, it's one small scene. The guy no, at didn't. the start of the at the start of the show, he like easily, handily took out three guys by himself. He's got a rack of bounties in his ship. He was gonna take on four stormtroopers and not, you know, sweat it. And then he took on this whole camp, like. It's an awkward scene. That's all.
2: Well, that, well, that, and that's what I'm saying. Is it doesn't. It doesn't fit with the rest that we, we a have already seen of him in that opening scene where he has the the sweet bar fight, and then what we see in the rest of the show, and then there's this like one scene smushed in there where he can't figure out how to ride an animal, and it's just I don't. It's like I said. It it, it disrupts the pace. It feels out of character for a character that we like just met, but it's still immediately it's like this doesn't feel right I don't know that that whole scene it obviously did not ruin the episode but it was just like wow why did why did they put this in here
0: I I've actually been thinking about this all day since our conversation and I think what that scene does is to place him as kind not like necessarily a noob but he is not a a, a fully mature um badass i guess like would be the best term because like yes he's great at fighting but he can't do everything and that's what the um the guy pointed out he's like oh Mandalorians were riding mythosaurs you can ride this um this terribly cgi'd creature and (laughs) we'll uh, call it a bulbasaur for fun yeah and and, like it kind of goes along with that um the 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 woman mandalorian she mentions she mentions in their conversations she says do you have your signet yet i think she asked him and he's like no not yet he's like well, she'll she's like you'll get it you'll get it soon enough and so i think that's kind of like a status symbol when you get um like enough experience and this was the show that he doesn't have that experience yet i guess i feel like it was humanizing
1: it a bit like just you know Taking him down a small peg here to, to still remind people like he's not invincible.
2: Yeah, I, I like I that that makes sense to me, and I I hadn't really thought of it that way. But it just I I don't know. It was the one scene that like really irked me. Was like this just feels unnecessary. Um, and then because of the shortness of the show, it makes me a little worried moving forward. Like, are there going to be scenes like this in every episode where they're just putting a you know a five to ten minute sequence in just to fill time? But then again, didn't they shorten it from 10 episodes to eight because they realized they only needed eight. So maybe I'm just, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being paranoid.
0: That also couldn't have been a cheap scene. Usually time fillers are cheap, like talking scenes with the, the, the cost to CGI that thing and get everything right. That could not have been a cheap scene to put in. Yeah. Yeah. agreed.
2: So, I mean, that was just the one scene that felt super off, super unnecessary to me. Um, But it did lead into that sweet shootout at uh, what you so lovingly referred to as the OK Corral Gym. I think that's a great name (laughs) (laughs) for whatever that outpost is. I Um, like that. But yeah, that was was a really, really rad shootout. And getting into a little spoiler-heavy conversation, I have... I mean, obviously, I think we're all wondering, like, who is the Yoda-esque creature, and why is he or she important?
0: What? 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 Yoda-esque? What?
2: Yoda yodeling yo- yodel 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 yodeling you're jumping
1: right to the end
0: my, my episode I said, cut off like two minutes before the end what are you what are you talking about are you so, being serious jim no i'm not being serious
1: oh, okay. <laughs> um but it's mo- hard to tell sometimes
2: what i'm kind of more interested in not more but i don't know i guess yeah more interested in is are, is ig11 already done like is that it for for ig11 for the whole series? So, i hope not <laughs> that would suck right that would be like oh he was super cool
1: that was the first question nicole asked me and i was i was like maybe there's another droid maybe he repairs him it would just be so weird to me if that was literally it like uh, he said be...
0: he's a director in the series so he's clearly going to be around <laughs> yeah uh, i don't know it would it would It'd be a double-edged sword, because
2: it would kinda suck, cause one thing I did like, uh, off topic really quick about IG11, it was he was the first droid that they've introduced in a while who didn't have an over-the-top personality. He was very much a robot, like and he had a robot personality. Um, which I enjoyed because, you know, a lot of the complaints, whether they're valid or not, have been like, Oh, the the droids have more personality than the characters do. And I felt that this wasn't the case this time. They they flirted a fine line of making him enjoyable without making him like basically just a human character um but if if they do end up like nope he's dead like they killed him off in the first episode that's a good way of setting the tone and saying like look nobody is safe in this show even if they're voiced by taiko atiti like we'll kill off anybody so that would be a good way to set this you know set suspense and and set the stakes
1: i'm gonna back us up here because we're jumping all over the place um since you brought it up let's talk about the What we're guessing is the infant Yoda species. Um, Since I believe to this day, there is no species name besides Yoda species for them.
0: Um, I refer to to it as Yettles species.
1: Okay. Um, Species unknown, according to Wikipedia. So what do you guys think about this?
0: Uh, I don't know. See,
2: there's obviously a massive theme throughout Star Wars is lineage. So I think immediately everybody is gonna want to say like, "Oh, this is Yoda's kid somehow," which I think is just too cheap and easy. So I think we should just like nip that in the bud right away. I don't think that's gonna be that's gonna be it. And if it is, if that's the big twist about this baby, it's like, "Oh, this is Yoda's kid." I'm not gonna be upset, but it'll be a little disappointing. It's.
0: I
1: sincerely hope it has nothing to do with Yoda.
0: Yeah, you have so far in. Canon and I think even Legends. Like I can't remember. Um, There may have been a couple. I I guess back in the old Republic there was at least one. But but you're looking at like two of this species, maybe like three or four total ever. And so it's an interesting concept to immediately get your attention because everybody knows how kind of sacred this species has been placed, and the two in canon are both major force users that were on the council Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. and um you know what i'm guessing we don't know for sure but what i'm guessing is imperial remnant at least we know they're former members of the empire so i'm going to go with imperial remnant uh they want this baby or this you know if it is 50 years old we don't know if it was in stasis we don't know but we know that they want this mini yoda or whatever it is Um, so why would they want this, you know? Like, that's another big question. Like, how do they know about it, and why the heck do they want it? Like, what's the significance here?
0: I would assume that it is a 50-year-old baby, because Yoda's 900 years old. Maybe they just take their babies for, like, 100 years. Um, I I would assume that it is, like, not, it wasn't in stasis. But you're right, it's the, this is set two years after the fall of the Empire, um, three years after return of the jedi so you're looking at people who i i wouldn't even say imperial remnant i would say former imperials um like warlords and stuff
2: yeah i was i was gonna ask do we do we know for sure that this is some organized imperial remnant like you said jj because i the way the stormtroopers looked i had this feeling that they're just at this point they're just guys looking for work and they're hired security guards that i didn't like that's just the the sense I got because they looked a little disheveled and dirty and out of place.
1: I but... think that's more just implying like, hey, the Empire is in shambles, and this is what we're we're left with here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so the first the fir- at this time, the First Order is kind of um, being born off in nowhere space. We don't know where that is. So anything that becomes of any of the major Imperials are gone. To form that first order, so they are kind of off the playing field. Nobody knows them. This is its own thing. They could have been like imperial remnants and leftovers. Yeah, I, I would go with the it's the hired thugs. Um, and here's uh, here's some armor that may protect you, probably won't, but good luck with that.
1: Yeah, uh, and then we have the imperial quote unquote, uh, doctor. Who, who wants the subject so yeah who,
0: i don't who know. is that actor
1: i don't know I, it was bothering me i don't feel like i had an, uh, there was enough time with him in the shot for me to figure it out but he definitely felt familiar
0: yes and that's a, i i'm like i know that person but i don't know
1: he
2: had some sweet like sunglasses on and i don't know why my my brain when i saw him instead of being like oh this is a cool new character what can we learn from him i went I wonder if this is the first time there's been sunglasses in Star Wars canon. And I think it is. I think it's the first time we've seen actual sunglasses, except maybe in a comic book there were some, but I was like, "Oh, cool. They they have eye protection and Star Wars good for them."
1: Uh so, moving away from, you know, uh baby Yoda there. What was your uh what was each of your uh favorite Easter egg?
2: Ooh. Um I mean, this is tough. Jim, you can go first. I got a thing on this.
1: Favorite... I have mine.
0: Well, why don't you start with your favorite Easter egg?
1: So there was, there was a lot of cool ones. You know, we kind of just talked about one. Um, and there's a ton of, ton of, like, really clever and well-placed ones. But I think the one that made me smile and laugh the most was the Kowakian monkey lizard oh. watching the other monkey <laughs> lizard being roasted <laughs> that... on a spit.
0: That was horrifying. We saw we saw that at, <laughs> we saw that a celebration, and all I can think of is like these things are sentient at least to a point. It's like it was like if you were watching your best friend being roasted on a spit. Like oh, that's horrifying. Yeah, I
2: I I, I I I kind of had the same reaction as Jim. Like at first I'm like oh that's kind of funny, but then no, I was like oh no that the one in the cage seems traumatized <laughs> like. That was actually that was one of the most brutal scenes in all of Star Wars, I would say.
0: So, thinking yeah, so about top it, I, that. I, I I don't I don't I can't think of like a favorite a uh, favorite Easter egg. Um, uh, I just found like this episode like um surprisingly funny. I wasn't expecting it to be so funny, and like everything, like especially towards the beginning. Um, like I I guess my favorite part was when the um that um. I don't know the species. The thing that played the flute at the beginning, um, he, <laughs> oh, he he called up the yeah. dro-
2: old flute nose.
0: Yeah, he yeah. called he called up the droid, and he's like, "No, no droids." And so, like this nice new car. He's like, "But it's a new car." He's like, "No, no droids." And so this this ramshackle airspeeder, when you literally see like a piece of metal fall off the thing as it so, pulls up. Actually, I
2: don't I don't know if this would be considered an Easter egg, but. Because I can't think of one, this will be my, my choice. My favorite part was the actor who played the driver of that, that speeder, the beat up one, is, uh, Brian Posen. And Brian Posen is a. Oh,
0: was it? I didn't yeah, even recognize was, him.
2: Yeah, and he's a, he's a pretty famous actor, comedian, and also a comic book writer. He wrote, uh, I want to say like close to 100 issues of Deadpool. And it was one of the better Deadpool runs. So when I, I saw it, I was like, oh my god, it's Brian Posen. Good for him. And yeah, he I like him a lot. He, and yeah, then so, he got eaten. <laughs> yeah, that was great oh, as he's driving away. Um, I am interested to find out uh, more about the Mandalorian's uh, bigotry towards droids. Because uh, that, that was kind of out of nowhere. Um, but I'm interested to see where it comes from.
1: I, I don't think i saw a single droid in the tribe's home so it could be just like a mandalorian thing and Uh, and hey as before we move too far away from uh flute guy i I liked his inclusion because i immediately went back to the spy slash informant in a new hope that Mm -hmm. showed the stormtroopers to where the falcon was
0: yep yep i
1: wonder if it's the same guy or just the same species I'm going to go with same species.
0: Probably same species. Because mm-hmm. there are more than one people in a species, typically.
2: Sometimes there's even two. as Yoda, Sometimes there's three, as Yoda's species has proven us.
0: So
1: there's
2: there's that, kids.
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah, so many cool species. There was the um, the fellow that was helping the Mandalorian. I'll probably pronounce this incorrectly, but I think they're called Ugnaughts. Is that right?
0: for Nick Nulty's. we're just gonna say Nick
1: Nulty? yes he is
0: an <laughs> I I wasn't sure if he was because he was tall and so I wasn't sure if he was an Ni- Ugnat or not but yeah that is t- that was totally Nick Nulty's character um what we were like trying to guess based on the uh the posters I have spoken I
2: have spoke that was a great that felt yeah. like such a Nick Nulty thing I feel like that wasn't even scripted that he just was like you know what when I'm done speaking each time I'll just let you guys know is that cool and John Favreau was like, sure, go for it, man.
0: Did Did they even give him makeup, or is that just what Nick Nolte looks <laughs> oh, like now? Oh, you guys are million.
2: <laughs> he looks rough. Okay, one thing,
0: and it, I've surveyed a couple people,
2: and so far I think I'm alone in this, but did the movement of his mouth corresponding to the words he was saying look off to you guys?
1: I did not notice it, so I, I it was fine, but I also wasn't particularly paying attention to that. No, After I, a while I, I was staring
2: at it. Like I had I to rewatch parts of those scenes, like of that scene, because I was just staring at his mouth, being like, does this line up correctly? So like I said, I'm pretty sure it's just me, because everyone I've asked is like, no, nah, I didn't notice anything. But if you're listening and you did notice something, tweet us or email us so I can at least know I'm not alone. But yeah, so that it must have been just me, but for some reason I was like, it doesn't something is off with his mouth. I don't know, but anyway, I, I'm assuming it was practical effects, right? There is no way that's a CGI face.
1: No, and th- uh, that's a good segue into effects. They were goddamn incredible.
2: I think, I think like the 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 effects of like the firefights were was was awesome. Like that was movie quality. Um, it was just some of the the landscape shots. I'm sorry. I either, should say the
1: practical effects, like costumes. Oh, and stuff.
2: yes, the practical effects were. It was the practical effects were so good that it was noticeable when they went from practical to CGI when the Razor Crest was flying bad, and the CGI looked noticeably different. Like you, I, I maybe it was just me, but like I could tell, like oh, that's a CGI Razor Crest, and that's their practical effect that they showed off at Celebration, where they were actually using like a physical spaceship to to mimic some of the, 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 movements. So yeah, when, when they relied on practical effects, it showed and it showed for the better.
0: Yeah. And like, um, when they're in the towns, like it felt real and like at celebration, they showed us like the behind the scenes and they were in, they built the towns and everything, every, everyone was there. And I loved the, um, I, I actually probably, uh, here's probably my favorite Easter egg was the, um, the eyeball droid that, uh, that Oh yeah. Out. From
1: Jabba's palace.
0: Yeah. I really like the eyeball droid. Um, and so, like, all that felt genuine. And what kind of you were saying is that it was the landscapes that felt off. And I don't know why. And that was basically the opening shot was this huge landscape, and it felt off.
1: Yeah, the same thing happened when he was uh, on the planet where he, you know, eventually found the bounty when he was, like, kind of looking around with his um, his gun scope. And switching, but it was switching between like showing him looking around and him looking through the scope. Yeah, something about it felt a little weird. It wasn't like you know, oh my god, this is awful and it's a huge problem. It just felt a little off. Oh, I didn't actually uh, have
0: any problems with that that part.
1: Uh, but either way, if if these are the biggest problems the show has, like you know, a little weird CGI, then I think it's going to do just fine. Uh, the action sequences man if this is our first taste of what they have in store for us i feel like we're gonna see some crazy stuff ahead uh, because thinking of all the things that marvel and disney have put together for you know their fight scenes from their superhero netflix shows like there's so many more possibilities here with star wars and that bar scene and then with him and ig11 that that fight scene was just fantastic
0: um, i yeah yeah I, I am kind of concerned about like the pacing and the CGI is like um like when you have an ongoing series like when you get when you release the first episode and you get kind of people's reactions you can kind of tweak things a little later like here you have pro- I, I would assume the entire season's done done in a can because we're you're we're going to have the last episode in less than a month and a half and so the entire we're not going to see any differences like if we had some problems, I imagine those problems are going to carry through the whole season. At
2: yeah, that is that is one problem when you go to the streaming models, everything's uh, filmed at once. But I don't, I don't think there was anything glaringly bad enough here that has me actually worried. You know, um, like you said, I think the pacing of this episode made me think, like, ah, oh, you know, I hope they don't try to put so much filler in in episodes coming up, and the. I, I would say, like, w- with the minor complaints I have about some of the CGI, the, the CGI that was good was so much better that it it so far outweighs anything bad that I, I'm i okay with it.
1: Yeah, and it seems like, um, even though there was issues with the CGI, it seems like they're going the path that uh, Guillermo, uh, Guillermo del Toro takes with his films in that, that there's cgi when it's necessary but otherwise it's all practical effects which i think in the long run makes for a much better experience uh, because it feels more authentic and the practical effects were like i said just fantastic his armor um i don't remember the species of the blue guy in the handcuffs that he frozen in carbonite but oh, whatever yeah. that guy was
2: I believe that was played by snl alumni horacio sands by the way Oh, and it? there
1: was the uh, the Quarin who got cut in half. His face tentacles were like real and moving around, which was <laughs> just the, fantastic.
0: The, <laughs> the characters were top notch. Like I, I can't imagine them being any better. Like the, Nick Nolte's was perfect. Um, like like every all the the alien species were perfect. There was the I don't if they had CG if they had CGI on them, I couldn't tell. Yeah,
1: it it's just uh those are the, the things that I look for in a series like this. The level of immersion that you get when you take the time and the effort to do practical effects like this will always be better than what you get when you use CGI. Like uh I don't know if you guys saw Valyrian in the Thousand
0: Worlds. I, I sure guess. didn't. I did oh. not, no
1: okay well it's a sci-fi film that came out within the last year or two Uh, and it's you know there's alien species everywhere and humans and everything for the most part is CGI and it just it takes me personally it just takes me out of it when you know it's CGI and I'm I'm looking at something and saying this could be a practical effect it's kind of like Hobbit and Lord of the Rings Lord of the Rings every orc soldier was dressed up in a costume Hobbit Everyone was CGI, and there was a vast difference in the quality and um, how people said it helped them suspend their disbelief and get into the story, and I feel like that's going to be true across the board for a really long time. CGI is really good, but a good costume still always looks better.
2: I mean, the perfect example, uh, is, I mean, it's it's Star Wars. You look at the difference between physical stormtroopers and the CGI nightmare of Attack of the Clones... <laughs> Give me the the actual guy in stormtrooper armor every single time. It just looks better. Sorry if that was a little too on the nose.
1: No, yes. not at all.
0: All right. So, um,
1: final thoughts. What?
0: Well, what what is uh, one thing that you guys are looking forward to for the rest of the series? What 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 do you want to see?
1: Um, new characters and new lore. So those are two things that I think um, we're gonna get and i'm really excited for that i love star wars lore and i think uh the series needs new characters and it's just you know it's this huge galaxy there's so many stories to tell and i really want this to go in a brand new direction it's fine if we see easter eggs and if we see species and maybe some characters from other parts of the galaxy that we're familiar with but i still want it to go in a new direction and tackle something that has never been done before in star wars And my last uh, PS, Carl Weathers is the man. Carl Weathers is great, so good.
2: He's not in it for much, but his little bit is.
0: (laughs) He didn't do anything yet. I can't wait till he actually does something.
2: So good, just the way that he tries. Like he's like, I got imperial credits, and he's like, okay, I have. What do you say? Uh, uh, Moncala Flan? Is that what they call the (laughs) the Moncala currency? Yeah. Um, for me, I have one thing that's super specific, and then another more like general thing. Uh, the first thing I'm looking forward to. I can't wait to see Bill Burr in this show. Like, just the fact that it's comedian Bill Burr, who has openly made fun of Star Wars, is going to be in this Star Wars show as a cool, badass bounty hunter, I'm all for it. Uh, The second thing I'm looking forward to is, I am super interested to see what the Empire did. I know it's been touched on uh, in various comics of how they kind of scurried to the fringes, and and they kind of went to the underground, but I'm really looking forward to them exploring, you know the the empire finally being the little man in the galaxy and and, and how they react to it because part of me wants to see the, the these members the, these former imperials like suffer and and have to pay the consequences for what they did to everybody in the galaxy so that's kind of what i'm looking forward to the most is how they explore the post-imperial galaxy and what the imperials themselves had to do retribution baby that's what i'm after
0: I am looking forward to kind of like what you were saying before about how well the fight scenes were in this episode, where they go from here. Because you still have yet to introduce Gina Carano, um, who is the former rebel shock trooper turned mercenary. Um, That could be interesting. And you haven't yet seen um, ming Yao Wen yet, who is an assassin in the series. And so I think like... Just those two descriptions of the characters lend to a um, continued presence of them.
2: Mm-hmm. I forgot that... Um, what's her face from... the? Uh, she plays May in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? What's, yeah. You Ming, just said her name.
0: Ming-Na
2: Wen. Ming. Ming-Na Wen. Ming, uh, I'm excited that she's in it because she's one of the highlights of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I'm excited to see her part. I completely forgot she was in the show.
1: Yeah, so... Uh, I think closing out, we can all say that we're really excited for the future despite some minor gripes here and there. Uh, the effects were awesome. The direction the story is going is really cool and the fight scenes were pretty top-notch.
2: Yep, that wraps it up. Minor, m- minor grievances overall. Very good. Excited to see where it goes from here.
1: All right. Uh, so some quick pieces of news before we get out of here. Friday is a big day for Connor, myself, and millions of other gamers out there. Finally, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is out. And shockingly enough, all the reviews that are slowly leaking out is saying that it's an EA game that doesn't feel like an EA game and is actually really good with no microtransactions. How crazy is that?
0: And a single player
1: gasps.
0: It just so means many that, it, um, that they haven't fixed it yet.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, it just means that, like, well, there's still a, a 5 gig day one patch, but it'll be worth it. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm going to pick this up Friday as soon as it comes out. It's going to take over my whole weekend, uh, which is good because I'm playing way too much Modern Warfare over the past like month or so. I am, you know, a little uh, timidly excited about it just because I'm not the biggest fan of... Of like Dark Souls and that gameplay style, and I know that's what this is. It's it's uh, the the Dark Souls gameplay, the Bloodborne gameplay with a Star Wars overlay. Um, I'm more excited just to experience the story. Like it's one of those games that I'll probably play on not the lowest difficulty because I want some challenge, but probably the second lowest difficulty because I just I just want to experience the story and I want to see uh what cal's story is and what what his place is in the the wider narrative um and hopefully just you know hack off some limbs with a lightsaber while i'm at it
1: uh yeah i pre-ordered my copy so i could get a uh orange lightsaber and some other cosmetics i normally don't pre-order but uh, i've been waiting for a single-player star wars game since ea got the license forever ago uh and it yeah it was just i really had no choice in the matter
0: are there any collector's editions? I feel like there is. As a collector, even if I don't get to play the game, I will still buy the collector's edition. Oh,
2: yeah. There's got to be one that comes with some big statue or something like that, and it'll be like $180. I mean, yeah, I'm Googling I, it
1: right
0: now. I'd be uh, shocked if there
1: wasn't. Uh, I, I did
0: see uh, something in GameStop for the one time I've ever been in a GameStop, um, but There was a lady talking to the guy at the counter for literally 15 minutes with a line behind him, and I didn't want to ask.
2: Asking her if she can get Grand Theft Auto for her nine-year-old.
0: Actually, I believe that may have been the conversation. (laughs) You have no
2: idea, (laughs) non-Star Wars topic, but how many times I've been in a GameStop and heard somebody ask, can my son play, you know, insert absurdly adult video game? And the, the person go like, well, how old are they? And they go, well, he's nine. No, he cannot play condemned two. It's an old school game reference.
0: Anyway, okay, uh, i like, is, I have no idea what that is. It was yes. a very
2: over the top gory horror movie or horror video game back in like 2008. But, uh, there is the Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order Stormtrooper collector's edition bundle. And that comes with a, it's for PC and that comes with a Stormtrooper mouse and keyboard and some other thing. I can't tell what it is looking at the picture. Um a gaming mouse mat, but it's huge. So there you go, Jim, that's it. That's your I, thing. Yeah, I'm saying I, stuff.
0: I, I'm not a PC gamer, so I'd I'd get the Xbox because PC has too many buttons. Too, far too many. We far don't like that many. around here. <laughs> Xbox has too many buttons. Can I like can I hook up my Nintendo like original Nintendo? It's got two buttons and I just like need A, a and a plus B. Pad. <laughs>
2: Uh, Either way, I'm excited. It's going to... I mean, we are at this point in the year where Star Wars is just going to take over every aspect of my life,
1: and I'm all, you know, I'm all for it. Oh, that reminds me. I'm glad you brought that up. Oh, a segue? What? Yes.
0: You mean Uh, Star Wars taking over every aspect of our lives?
1: (laughs) Well, every aspect of AIPT. So, uh, starting December 1st, valued listeners, you'll get to enjoy... 31 Days of Celebrating Star Wars on AIPT, so we're going to be just writing all sorts of fun, exciting articles about Star Wars for the entire month of December. There'll be podcasts. Maybe this one. Probably this one. YouTube videos. There'll be books and comics. (laughs) Uh, Pretty much anything Star Wars related is going to be happening on the site in December. So please come by and join us. Uh, there's going to be a lot of fun stuff. I'm really looking forward to it. This is the third year in a row we'll be doing it, and it's always one of my favorite things that AIPT does. I've got a,
2: uh, I've got a tearjerker of an article that I'm working on, and I know that sounds sarcastic, but I'm dead serious. There's this piece that I've been like kind of slowly putting together for a couple weeks now about Star Wars as a whole that I'm I'm really excited to share with people. I um, think people are going to really like it, or they're going to really dislike it and hate me, but either way, I'm excited.
0: Yep, we're going to have a podcast and at least uh, all, all my normal book reviews of Resistance Reborn uh, coming out next month as well, which a lot uh, from of... what, what I've heard, that book is uh, really great.
2: Yeah, they talked a lot of, uh, about it a lot at uh, New York Comic Con. They even did a reading of it, and uh, it's it, it sounds a lot like it's one of those books that they They throw the journey to the blah, 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 blah tag on it. But it sounds like it really is going to give a lot of information about, you know, where the series, or like what you need to know going into The Rise of Skywalker.
0: Which I'm kind of hesitant because I don't like reading that stuff beforehand, um, Mm -hmm. before the movies. I kind of like want to go in as blind as possible. But. I, I got to do it for the, for the show, for the, for, yeah, for the listeners. Yeah, and I got to do
1: it for the podcast where we review it and have a special guest on to talk about it who will yeah. be announced in the coming weeks.
2: Because one of us can't read.
1: Yeah, it's all right, Connor.
0: I like pictures. <laughs> I listen to the audiobook, books. So <laughs> <laughs>
1: but, um, uh, yeah, that is going to do it for us so uh thank you for listening guys thank you for being here with us and we hope that you enjoyed our scatterbrain review of the mandalorian and we hope you enjoyed the mandalorian and uh, by the time this episode comes out you issue two will probably be sitting uh at your doorstep so they're oh, shipping this, they're shipping issues the same day that issue two lands fallen order comes out what a wonderful day um, yeah, well, so you can issue? find us
0: an issue of TV. What
2: <laughs> you didn't, you didn't get the Disney Plus special edition, Jim?
0: Because
2: if know. you get the if you get the Disney Plus special edition, it's one hundred and forty nine dollars a year, but they actually send you the script to each episode, so you can read it as you watch it. It's pretty incredible.
0: I may actually sign up for that.
2: It's it's worth it, you know.
1: You guys all set?
0: <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> you guys you guys done here you done (laughs) this is my personal this is my test
1: (laughs) every episode I'm tested (laughs) I've got this like great position that I'm used to now uh, where I record where my my head lands perfectly in my outstretched hand that can't be good for your back it sounds like are you leaning over a lot no just just where I wait for you two to be done
0: is as your neck okay? It's, yeah, um, it seems. Yeah, I just like, got a
1: massage on Saturday. I'm actually feeling pretty good. Oh. Okay, maybe
0: I can buy you one of those like massage ad things that I've seen, where it's like literally this gun thing that punches you in the neck.
2: So don't buy him a gun that punches him in the neck. Don't do all that. Right, so
0: we're gonna get out of here. <laughs> uh, so you can find
1: us all at aiptcomics.com. where in addition to a monthful of fun Star Wars stuff. You'll find the most comic reviews anywhere every Wednesday. In addition to a whole lot of wrestling, video games, movie reviews, the works, you want it, we got it. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, at AIPTComics. We're in addition to tweeting all sorts of general pop culture nerdy stuff, we tweet a bunch of Star Wars stuff as well. And, Jim, anything else we want to leave our our fine listeners with?
0: No, as we uh, mentioned at the top of the show, we are now talking Tauntauns, as you probably gathered. Um, we're still going to be slowly converting everything over to that um but uh hopefully we'll have an email address at some point shortly in the future once my work schedule uh, allows me not to be working at 11 p.m at night
1: in the meantime if you have any questions for the show uh if you'd like to get on we'd love to hear from you you can email me directly and i will share it with jim and connor That's JJ at AIPTcomics.com. One more time, JJ at AIPTcomics.com. So once again, thanks for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. We are talking Tauntauns, and we're going to get out of here. Bye, Yukio.